Welcome to episode 32 of the Two in the Authors podcast with me, David B. Lyons. And me, Robert Enright. And on today's show, David and I will be talking about how we research for our books and the importance of getting things factually correct, even in a fictional world. Our mailbag question this week flew in all the way from Australia and tests us on how indie authors can get their books into bookstores. And that's all before indie author Justin Carter joins us in the studio to face the seven questions. But before all that, David, as we always do, Mm -hmm. how has your week been? Very good. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, I'm I'm getting um, more disciplined in terms of my writing. So I think over the past... Since I started doing the novellas, it's been pretty consistent and getting a chapter done a day, at least anyway, Um, which, I mean, it it just goes to show the difference between writing something in series for me anyway, my experience writing in Uh series versus trying to um, dream up a whole new world and a whole new range of characters, which which can get sloggy for me and, you know, Sometimes I can I can go a week or two without writing anything because I'm just not in the humor. But um, like you have shared on this podcast before, because um, what I'm writing now already has a set. It, it has its setting. It has its characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the tone. I know the voice. Um, it, it does seem to flow a lot more naturally out of me. So I guess since February this year, since I wrote the first novella, I'm now uh, on the second one. Yeah, a lot more disciplined and a lot more yeah. consistent in terms of getting words on the page. So that's all going very well. I'm also still writing the Alex Ferguson screenplay. Um, mm-hmm. We're hearing bits and pieces from different uh, production companies, some really annoying um, stuff, and then some very hopeful but light at the end of the tunnel noise. So I'm hoping that there's one guy in particular that I really want to sit down and talk to this about. Um, talk this out wit um, he seems to have the plan um, that my wife Kerry has had and I think I shared on the podcast before which is really to do this independently um, so as I'm learning that I will hopefully pass on some information as I'm going through that but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place in terms of productivity which is not, not my usual place to be in. Um, <laughs> it, that, that's that's normally your usual place. Is that where you've been over the past seven days? Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a good week um, productivity wise. Um, obviously, I got I got back from my holiday midpoint of last week, and mm-hmm. I just had stuff to catch up on, like admin wise and and things like that. So this week I've been back on the writing. I've done about four chapters, which about around 10 to 11,000 words, probably in and around that. Great. That point. But it's now at the the bit I spoke about on this many times before. I'm at that midpoint of the story now where all the pieces are in place. Yes. I've just written a brutal 
fight scene chapter long fight scene that nice. was like thrilling to write so now it's just ramping it up like i say it's things will just escalate and ramp up over the next 50 percent of the book so Correct. yeah I'm, I'm in a good place with that which is um wonderful um i've spoke about um a decision i was making on the podcast uh many times about my bermuda series and how i was trying to resuscitate it this year um I've come to a decision after a lot of talking with my wife, um, the wonderful Soph, and just going through loads of like the costs of everything that I've actually decided to push that back sort of indefinitely. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, so you've made a decision on it. I have, and I'm focusing on other future quite exciting projects that I'll be doing that kind of run alongside my Sam Pope series um but i like did like a video sent it out to my readers and you know what the response i got for them was amazing oh great um like really really supportive and like they they appreciate the kind of the candidness of which i speak to them about all the decisions i make nice so that was um quite a nice one but one of the interesting things that come off the back of that was i had the third book up for pre-order so my intention yeah. was i was always going to write the third bermuda book after the last sam pope one and then I just flew straight into the next Sam Pope book. So the chances of me making that pre-order were really um, slim. Ah, okay. Like I was going to be cutting. I was going to be cutting it quite fine. Yeah. And like you can push back a pre-order on KDP, but not by loads. I couldn't push it back by six months. You could push it back by like thirty days. Oh, can you? I didn't so know I that. Asked, okay. Yeah. So. Oh, well, you've probably never had to do it. I'd never yeah. do this because I'd never had to do it. So I've only ever bought a pre-order forward. So I, I pushed it back, knew I wasn't going to hit it. So I was like, I want to push it back even further or actually just just cancel it. But then I found out if you cancel a pre-order, you get a blanket one-year pre-order ban. So you can't put any other books That's up for pre-order. Right. I did know about that. In fact, yeah. last week's guest, Dares, had had that happen to him. Yeah. So I emailed them i went on to the author central i went to the pre-order section i sent them an email and i just explained to them look this is a situation i've i'm not going to be able to make this pre-order however i am going to be writing these books over the next year and i would like the ability to still put them up for pre-order yeah. and you can see from my history i get a fair bit of pre-orders mm -hmm. and they just come back and said we'll waive the penalty for you so yeah Again, if you don't actually don't get, do you? Amazon customer service coming up trumps again. It, it really gets a bad reputation. But I have to say, when it comes to customer service and then helping me with my Auto Central and my KDP accounts, mm -hmm. I've, I've always been supported by them. Yeah, it's amazing. So I've I've been able to have uh, the third Bermuda book pre-order cancelled, but I'm still able. I and then since then I put my fourth Sam Pope box set up for pre-order. Oh, great! Yeah. And it's gone up on pre-order fine just to test it. So, um, yeah, a little hint for our uh, our listeners there that actually if you go to Amazon straight away and just explain the situation to them, they might actually help you out. So um, that was pretty good. And one last thing, David, I might I might just pick your brain about something. Sure. I got an email from like the British Library saying that I need to send them a book. Oh, yeah. Um, but I've never sent them one book in my life. And they've all they've requested is book nine of my series. That must have come so to their cool. attention somehow. I have had those emails um, 
but they're normally about my books are standalone so it never stood out to me that they were uh picking me off in in an odd order but um i've never sent the book i never send it um and funny enough on my list of to do which is a long list um i have libraries down there and it's been there for over a year of i need to sort mm. out libraries um and find out what to do so i feel bad that i never sent those books off mm. um because when actually when i was researching it i was told oh no that's not how you do it you do it this way and then it was a complicated way so i just put it off i put it on my to-do list yeah as to to uh, unravel that complication and get to it at some point well um just if it's i'll do some digging on it and maybe i'll, I'll feedback in the next week or so um because there was something in the email because obviously they want a paperback version to be put in the british library um but it does say something about um, it links into other library systems in the UK. Ah. And there is a section to read about um, ebooks. Right. Um, so I don't know. Maybe this is a way of getting the ebooks into libraries quite easily. I don't know. I will have to do some research. But well, I'll tell you when what I we'll... do, I'll, I'll update here. I'll tell you what we'll do. We have um, the lovely Jane Buckley on a few weeks ago. Yes, uh, she as, was as, very good with as libraries. Seven Q's guest, and she knows libraries. In fact, I hit her up after um, we had her as a guest on the show. All I right. said, "You were speaking about libraries. It's on my to-do list for months. Um, it, can you tell me how to go about it?" And she was very helpful in breaking down some of the complication for me. And I still have um, an awful lot of her notes open on my laptop uh, to go through at some point. So we'll, we'll put a request into Jane. We'll, we'll have her on and, um, perhaps she can share with our whole community and our listenership exactly what she shared with me. Now, Robert, this takes us to our main talking point and our main mm. talking point this week is it's an area that authors really shouldn't neglect. And it's all about research. And as you so succinctly it's... put it um, at the top of the show, it, it, it's very important to get things factually correct, even in a fictional world. And uh, Rob and I will, will talk about our experiences of that over the next half hour or so as the main talking point. Um, so, you know, research really is a very wide umbrella isn't it because there's an awful lot that falls yeah. under that umbrella and uh, we'll try and, and break it down somewhat to you regardless of what genre you're writing in but if you're writing fiction you still have to stay true to your world so even if you're writing on a different planet your setting is on a different planet like star wars or something like that it, research is still important it's still pivotal because you need to remain consistent to your world and again um we branch out on that so why is it? Why is researching a book so important, Rob? I think it's like you said there, you have to be consistent to the world you built. Yeah. So if you're saying, so I can only really speak from my experience, that's all we can ever do on this podcast because yeah. I can't write as what George Lucas was thinking because I, I, I wasn't in his head when he wrote it. <laughs> um, but obviously if I've got a action hero, which I do have, set in modern days i can't have him be like the 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 worst example would be he's bulletproof imagine that like because that's not realistic yeah um but i think the idea of why you need to do the correct research is if you 
if you don't do your research, say, say you base a book in Norwich. I picked that up. Okay, Lowestoft, because I had a book, a part of my book based in Lowestoft. And someone from Lowestoft picks it up and reads it. And you are nowhere near accurate with any of the descriptions, how life is there, what the people are like there, what the scenery is like there. You will take them out of the book like that like exactly. instantly. And the the whole point of a book is to pull someone into your fictional world. Yes. And the second you break that immersion, the second someone starts thinking about how that's not correct, that's not right, you take them out of the book and they lose engagement. And then they'll lose they sort of lose faith in you a little bit as an author. Yeah. You're so right. Um so 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 I kind of feel like there's there's things you you should definitely research because you want your book to be as watertight as possible um, for keeping people's attention and for keeping people's belief in you as a writer. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's, yes. that's why I think it's really, 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 really important. You're dead right. That's exactly would have been my answer to it. Your job as an author is to keep the reader constantly engaged. You do not want them jumping out of that book or that Kindle at all. And if you're talking about a specific gun that, you know, doesn't fire the types of bullets that you say ended up in the dead body, well, then you're, you're, you're going to jar a certain uh, percentage of your reader. And as you say, it's so off-putting for them. So that's the difference between getting a five-star and a three-star review. And perhaps even the difference between um, this reader going on to go through your series and and, and picking up exactly. The next book. So exactly, it is, and it's, it, it's it's for it's for the sake of the reader. Your your storyline, mm-hmm. your story plot, and your arc um, has to be great to draw the reader in. But your specifics within that arc also have to be up to scratch. Otherwise, you're going to pull the reader out. Yeah, and I also think, I mean, the readers always comes first when it comes to the research. Because that, that's the main one. You don't want to break that immersion. But I also think, for me personally, as a as an author, yeah, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. It pushes me outside of my comfort zone, or or it's it's suddenly oh, okay. I need to know how to dissemble a sniper rifle, or I need to know the components of a particular handgun used by this secret service in this country. Yeah. Well, then that's a rabbit hole. That's a bit of research to do. So for people who think, oh, he just sits there and just writes, you know, all biff, baff, boff, he's punched him in the face and, you know, that. Yeah. Th- there's a lot more that goes into it. I mean, my my search history on my laptop's probably terrifying and not for the usual reasons most men would would worry about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I reckon I've probably flagged up multiple times on lists for the things I've had to research, like around terrorism and things like that um and then i guess you obviously get cross-checked and they realize you're okay um but you know there's always a little bit of uh, one of my books i had to figure out how do you make homemade acid and i was thinking oh i'm going to get a knock on the door by the police any minute now (laughs) um but so from from a creative aspect i think there's actually a lot of um fulfillment you get from from researching as well Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think I found I'm a natural researcher and um, I was a journalist, a journalist. for 17 years mm. and my writing was not 
my uh wasn't the greatest attribute i held as a journalist it was my willingness to research i love researching now i'm glad i was born when i was born because if i was a journalist in 1960s or the 70s or the 80s i wouldn't have been that good because research was a total different ball game then Uh. we didn't have you know every encyclopedia ever written in our pockets yeah and so now we do and the device you're writing on, whether it be a laptop or a home computer or whatever you're writing on, that also has access to every encyclopedia ever written. So when Rob and I are talking about research and we're being a little bit specific to our books uh, around guns and, and setting and stuff like that, the truth is when you, if you're writing a romance novel or in any genre of novel and you're just writing a passing passage, such as, um, so my character sat down and started to watch Arrested Development on Amazon's, you know, you think, well, no, Arrested Development isn't on Amazon. It's on Netflix. Exactly. Um, but, but, it, it doesn't take you much that, to get that right. Yeah, if you know that as yeah, a reader, you're jarred, yeah. And that's it. And you think, like, well, do you, do you haven't checked that. Mm-hmm. You haven't checked and that out. Very so, simple. And I think that's the, you're absolutely right. I will say, before we move on to the next question, the idea of you being like a 1950s journalist with like a little trilby hat called yes. like Scoop O'Reilly, like makes me, it fills <laughs> me with so much joy. In the of the hat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, if that's not, if that's not a novel idea right there, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, but, but you've, you spoke there about um, research. Now, kind of tiptoed around some of the things I've had to research. I'd be fascinating to hear this, David, because I think you have tackled some, I know I make light of it on this podcast, some very dark subjects you've you've yes. tackled, like subject matters uh, for your books. Um, and I'd be fascinating to know your research methods for those, but also the fact that say you go from a crime drama, a crime, a courtroom. Yeah. Yes. Like a courtroom setting. Mm-hmm. And you're not from a legal background as far as I'm aware. No. To like researching old media. And then I'm assuming you're going to have to like research what the future holds for media for your in the middle of middle America series. Yeah. So that was fun. A really broad question is what, what is your research process? How would you tackle, say, the courtroom stuff and then the media stuff? Well, the courtroom stuff is interesting because I was setting, it was three books, um, a trilogy called The Trial Trilogy, and they were all set in Dublin's criminal courts. So that was yeah. as simple as getting off my arse and uh, going down to the criminal courts and finding out what it looked like. And Dublin's criminal courts are, are fairly new. They're only about 12 years old. And uh, so it's a very new building and you can smell that. You, and you can mm-hmm. see it as soon as you walk into it. A lot of glass. Um, that that that's that scent of of this hasn't been around for decades. You know, you can smell the newness off it and the freshness off it. So I wanted to paint all that into my book, of course, what the courts looked like, and mm-hmm. and, and really paint the setting on heavy. So that was very old school. Is in terms of research for that, I I got up off my arse and went down to see what it looked like, so I could paint it inside um, my novels. There's a lot more to it then, of course, because I had to research the legal practices and, and, you know, what a judge would say and what a lawyer might say at this point of view. So I went out of my way at this stage. Um, Betsy Blake and the Suicide Pact, which were books two and three that I released. Yeah. 
had been um, international bestsellers. So I could open an email saying, my name is David B. Lyons. I'm an international bestselling author. I am, my next book will be set in Dublin's criminal courts. And I was wondering if you would be interested in helping me with research. So I sent this email off to a couple of high profile um, lawyers who work in the criminal courts and who uh, are defense lawyers for criminals in these big cases. They were very happy to help me out with that. You make well, sure make sure I got the legal jargon correct. Make sure I got the, the tone correct. So I enjoy that part of it. Also there, that's really smart because we I think we spoke about it on this podcast before. Every now and then you need a little rub of the ego, right? Yeah. Yes. So if you approach, and this is a really good um, tip for our listeners, is if you approach an expert for your research for their expertise, Nine times out of ten, if they have, if they've got the time to do it, they're going to want to be referred to as an expert that helped an author write a fiction book. Yes, but I think a lot of people would probably be like, "Oh, I can't." Do you know what I mean when uh, I'll get into it in a little bit? But when I'm going to be writing my detective series, I'm going to go knock on the front door of the High Wycombe Police Station and say, "Can I have a look round?" Great. Yes. What's absolutely. the worst they can do? They're going to say no. Yeah. Like, what are they going to do? They're going to say no. It's the worst that can happen. Well, it's a lovely but title to stroke the ego, as you say, to say to them, I'm an international best-selling author. I'm, my next book is going to be set in a detective agency. Um, can I have a look around? I've done that. Well, my, my, one of my best friends who I grew up with, he's a neighbor of mine. He married a detective. So I was able to uh, call on mm-hmm. her when I was writing. A, 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 there was a detective strain as one of the trial books. And she was great help about you know how yeah. the investigation would go and, and the... the um, the sort of chronological order the investigation would take. I was able to utilize that in my book. Mm, fantastic. So I think that's, that's something our listeners should do is, 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 you know, ask people, ask these experts. If you think, Oh, I don't know um, about this medical procedure, find a doctor or find, you know, go to your local doctor. And ask I've them. also done that with doctors and, say, and nurses. Yeah. Absolutely. I used to work for a private hospital many years ago doing data and stuff. And I asked one of them, I asked a surgeon <laughs> a couple of questions for an injury yeah. that I was writing into my book. And he was like, yeah, I'll help you. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. But, I've never, I've never so, had somebody I've reached out to say no. They've all said, yeah, because no. I'm, I'm, I, what I'm saying, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'll, I'll use their name as the expert in the acknowledgements and I'll send the paper back out mm-hmm. to post the paper back out to them. So I've never had any restraints right. when, um, approaching an expert just and remember i'm not i'm not asking them to give up a day of their working life or anything it's just what i said to that um lawyer who helped me with the legal books is i'll probably be throwing you an email every few weeks just one email with one question and that's really all it turned out to be it might have only been about six or seven questions over the space of um Mm -hmm. five months or so that i was writing that book and she was just happy to you know take five or ten minutes out of her time to to get back to me on it so um Definitely don't be afraid. And if you are writing something or you're setting your story in a complicated world, such as um, a courtroom or a hospital, as Rob's mentioned there, uh, don't take it upon yourself. Think this guy's having heart surgery, this character, um, you know, he got six stitches. You know, there's no point in making it up as you're going along. Ask an expert. It's very, very simple. And you know what? As an author, it's part of your job. Yes, it is. It is. And it's, 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 it links back to the first point we made about keeping people in the immersion and, and pushing yourself creatively. Um, and you did push yourself wildly um, 
for your middle of America trilogy because you yeah. said that over like was it like 20 year intervals so yeah 20 years ago 25 day, yeah. 20 years into the future 25 1997 so, 2022 and 2047 each of the three books are set so it's so, america's media in the past america's media how it plays out now and how i feel america's media will go in the future so that took so, 18 months those three books a lot of research it took a lot of research and it took a lot mentally of a toll on you i remember yeah. that mm-hmm. um but so the past one, that's okay. There's there's so much about the past. Few, and actually, when you think about it, 25 years ago now, shockingly, isn't that long ago. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that long ago. It's like in the 90s now, right? Yeah, so, it was late 90s. Yeah, we grew up then. That's when we grew up. So you, yeah. you probably still remember that. You know what's going on there now. You have a keen interest. How did you research 25 years from now? Yeah, that was interesting. So it, there was enough. There's an awful lot of YouTube. So th- my this book was set mm-hmm. in 2047, and the main protagonist mm-hmm. of these books is a a news anchor in America, mm-hmm. and because it was so close to the year 2050, there's YouTube videos that say what the world will look like or how technology will advance by the year 2050. So I was able to play into that. I was there was also small things like what will the population of America be in 2047? I was able to find out that information. Mm-hmm. That's part of the book. And, and there was an awful lot of guessing in it. I have some pop culture references, like I think Timothy Chalamet, who's a hot young actor in, in the world at the moment. Um I have him winning five Oscars by the year 2047. Right. So just a little bit yeah. of little bit of guesswork. But most of it was where technology is going to take us, where the iPhone Uh or the smartphone and, you know, the laptop and our access to the Internet. How is that going to uh, evolve over the next two and a half decades? And my idea was my sort of dystopian concept was that we're all being smothered by social media. And, you know, there's less human interaction going on because, like we are doing now, Robert, we're talking on a video call. Um, you yeah. know, 20 years ago, if we want to do a podcast together, we'd both be sitting beside each other in a in a, a studio. So in 25 years from now, socializing, even going out with your best friends, you could still be sat on your couch drinking your pint of Guinness. All your friends are sat there, but your 3D holograms, you know, everybody's around yeah. each other. So it was all looking into that and how... Um, yeah, that, that could play out in, in a couple of decades from now. Really interesting research because I didn't have to be spot on that book. Uh-huh. It, it's my interpretation of what the future could be like. And uh, a bit like, um, this is, now I'm going to stroke my own ego here, a bit like George Orwell's 1984. When 1984 came around, everyone's going, Jesus, Orwell got this right when he was predicting the future. Uh-huh. I can't wait till the year 2047 to find out exactly what I got right. I'm looking yeah, forward well, to that. Uh, but- People will be putting up memes saying all the things David B. Lyons got right um, about the future. <laughs> yeah. But I think what's what's really fascinating is you've had to delve that far into the future of technology. And I don't mm-hmm. think David will mind me saying this. When it comes to actual technology, he knows F all. Yep. Because mm-hmm. the amount of times Kerry, who obviously guest of the show, Kerry, the wonderful Kerry, has had to come and sort out your technical problems. Yes, when we're recording this um, podcast. But that's the thing, right? That's your job as an author. Yeah. Yeah. The job is research. Okay. Yeah. It, 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 it's for me, it's a big chunk of the job is research. It's it's as pivotal mm-hmm. as the actual act of sitting down and tapping at the keys and getting the pros down. But um, 
an awful lot of my research involved this actually that, that I haven't really mentioned on the podcast or maybe I brushed on it at one stage because I write multiple character driven books as in there's yeah. multiple characters in my books and I'm telling the stories from their point of view. Uh, most of the research that I do is finding the voice for each of those characters. So if I have a character like Merrick Miller, as I do in in the middle of middle America, and I know he's this sort of got guy who has jet black hair and it's hanging over his eyes because he doesn't want anybody to see him. He's hiding from the world at the back of the classroom. And um, and I knew and I had to figure out what sort of music would he be into? Uh, what's his voice like? So I will find somebody on YouTube who sounds a bit like that. Uh And I will play him on repeat until I get the voice into my head. And I think, right, this is Merrick. This is what Merrick sounds like. This is who he is. And I love all that part of it. So in the middle of middle America has seven main characters. And I had to do, I had to find seven voices for each of them. Now that's research. I love. That's that's almost worryingly. Like, have you seen that film split with James McAvoy? Oh yeah. Yeah. Great movie, my type of movie. That. I can imagine, I can imagine you like as it was her name, like Sheila or whatever her name is, with the the glasses <laughs> and yes. the dress on. Yes, yeah, all these different characters. That's an eye open, getting this is an eye opening episode. <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you, Rob, because I'm going through the process mm. of writing my series now, and I'm taking my pro- protagonist Lenny Moon into Europe. So my next book is actually set in Prague. Okay. And it's 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 easy again because we have the internet, so I can go on Google Maps and I can go, okay, what does this street look like that Lenny is going to be on, and and I can I can describe it then through my prose. But you've done that now through t- eleven books. Yeah, I'm on the twelfth. You're, you're writing your twelfth sample now, so your research is different to mine because you're writing in third person omniscient, so you're telling your story. Uh, it is an omniscient narrator telling your story, so you're not doing. Um, the research I'm doing in terms of finding voice for each and each individual character, mm-hmm. but your research, you your research must be heavy on setting, location, um, and then you're bringing a different antagonist into every book, aren't you? So you have to find out who they yeah. are, what their motivations are. So what do you do? You spend about two or three weeks on research before you begin the prose, or do you like to get into your prose and then research as you go? So I, I go straight into the prose. Um, yeah. I just get straight in there. Um, you're right. I, I do this omniscient. Um, I am the god of my Sam Pope world. Yeah. But it, it comes down to, I guess, the genre we're writing in and what we enjoy. So if you look at your things, yours are deep character studies of usually quite a dark or quite a topical um, subject. theme. Yeah, right? theme. Yeah, yeah. like a, a subject. Mine are, I you know the the best compliments I get from people is these books play out like action movies in your head. Yes. So, but when you think of like an action movie, what do you think? You go bam straight in. Where is it set? How fast is the action? How cool is the main character? That type of thing. It's a very different. And this is where it comes back to. There's so many different styles of writing. There's so many different things. That's why you have to always have your own voice, your own brand, all that stuff. Yeah. But for me. I will do the press, but what I do is I usually set books in places I've been. Oh, okay, nice. So, so as an example, um, let's put it this way: there, there was 
I'd know I've never been to Ukraine, right? And obviously at the moment what's going on out in Ukraine is is horrible. But five yeah. years ago, um some of the villains were Ukrainian. And in the third book, so you know, we're talking years ago, third book, I'm on book twelve now. Sam started the book by going out to Ukraine to finish off the head of the gang. Right. So that that just needed to happen because of it tied up that story. And then it led into the next bit where he ends up being put on like a chase to hunt down his old mentor who's been accused of stealing secrets. You know, the usual action hero. Brilliant. Great. So from there, it's like, okay, well, he's in Ukraine. So this is now going to be like a European set book. And this was a big challenge for me. It's the first time I'd set one out from that. So think of how many places I could go through through Europe. So I set my biggest major, one of my big major action scenes in Berlin train station, because guess what? I had been to Berlin train station. Nice. Um, so I knew it. I knew what Berlin, and I'd been there relatively recently, because I think that I went to my stag do in Berlin, right? And I think this book, I wrote this a few months afterwards. Oh, so right. I, it fresh was in fresh in my head. Yes. But then it was like, okay, cool. And then I could set another action scene on a train. And then actually, where are they going to go from there? Oh, I know. They'll end up in in um, Rome because I've been to Rome. And there's loads of famous places and spots you can put into it. And it ends up like culminating in an action scene near to the Vatican again on a street that i've been down those types of things so i would draw on those memories and the fact that i've been there right yeah it it really helps because you have you have a sense of all of the senses you experienced whilst you were there you can paint them into your into your prose exactly but i'm not telling people you know you need to go to these places like current book i'm in sam's in a serbian prison like the worst place like one of the worst places in europe you have not one been of them to a serbian ah. no it's not on my to-do list um <laughs> however again like you said google is phenomenal and i don't just yeah. mean the maps like i've mapped out a trip from the um airport through all these villages and what i do is i i go i i will do the trip on google maps and i zoom in and i follow it down and the major towns or villages, I then Google, yeah. find images of them. If there's Wikipedia pages about stuff, you know, just you just pick up these things as you go, and it just adds and it builds and it builds the authenticity. Yeah, um, it's the same with like weapons and things like that. Like you can go down a rabbit hole of things like that. But I would say a lot of my research around stuff like that, um, I kind of do as I get to that point in the book. <coughs> Like I don't, I don't, yes, I don't set plot. it out initially. I don't go, okay, yeah. So I was just like, okay, what's a really bad prison? Oh, this is a bad prison. Okay, well, where would they fly into? Oh, they'd fly into here. Okay, well, how are they going to get there from there to there? Okay, they might stop at this village, and it just builds and builds and builds. And there's a yeah. lot of research that goes into it. It's the same with characters as well. Like if you go, I've introduced this character. Oh, okay, I need to build his backstory up now. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. He served in the Croatian special forces. 20 years ago okay what weapons do they use what, what kind of things happen with they what could he have been a part of history do you know like a major military yeah. event and it's a rabbit hole but it's it's worth doing because like you said it it, it pulls readers in doesn't it? It, it it adds so many layers to the characters or to the scenes you're writing yes so right. you can just you keep throwing on a layer of authenticity again and again and again 
and yeah. people just they just lose themselves in it. I've just been through the process you spoke about uh, yesterday when I was writing because my uh, protagonist, Lenny, ended up um, in the underground metro at, in Prague. So mm-hmm. I ha- and, and this wasn't something I had researched prior. He just needed to get somewhere. And I thought, how will he get here in Prague? Oh, there's a metro that leads from here to here. So I went, start Googling loads of photographs of what the Prague metro looks like. And it's... It's all this bright orange, you know, is the whole branding uh-huh. of it. So that, that was painted in totally through my manuscript. And I would not want to get that wrong. I would not want to get you that say, wrong. If you'd, if you'd said, oh, he jumps on this and it's a dark, dingy tunnel and it's a, yeah. a faded blue train, people who have been there go, he ain't, he ain't, he doesn't know what yeah. he's talking about. Now, it might um, be two people out of the thousands that buy my book would end up going that, but still... It's something that me and Rob talk about often on this uh, podcast, and really it's the, it's the essence of the podcast, is we want independent authors to be taken as seriously as traditionally published authors. We're, we're taking over, yep. essentially. We do not want independent authors to let themselves down, or indeed the whole um, concept of independently doing this. But with, with just we don't want them doing it with shabby book covers. We don't want them doing it with really bad blurbs. We don't want them doing it with bad prose. And the same goes with research. You, If you want to be considered a professional, independent author, well, then everything you pump into your books has to have an air of professionalism about it. And research is is not something that should be skimmed on. Absolutely. Um, before before we tie this chap, we could speak for hours about research, I think, David. Yeah. Um, I think it's just our inquisitive minds. Um, let's just talk briefly they, they, as much as we're talking about this authenticity and things like that, there has to be a line right between research and fiction because yeah. there has to be a point where you can blur that line slightly mm-hmm. um for the for, for the for the sake of so i you know, put my my sam poke he's not indestructible but he's as near to it as possible because he just survives so much stuff yeah as an action hero should but it's all done within within research so how do you walk that for your stuff? Because yours are your books, obviously quite dark and deep at sometimes. That where where do you draw the line? Where do you go? Okay, well, this is a fiction book. Um, yeah, it's a great point you make. The the truth is, is you you could be setting your book just off reality, right? Mm-hmm. It could be just outside of reality, and that gives you scope then to to paint yeah. on what's happening in your world. But if you're setting it in the real world, well, then there has to be an air of authenticity about it, I guess. Um, but, of course, my favorite movies are things like Die Hard and stuff. And Die Hard, the concept of that is one man takes down a whole army who have been researching this plot to, to take this money for months. And then suddenly they, they run into this guy in a vest and no shoes on. And he was running, yeah. you know, wild in this um, skyscraper building and ends up taking them down. That doesn't sound real, and it's in the real world. But there's the blurred lines you you speak about. Because yeah. if John McClane, Bruce Willis' character, didn't exist, there is no movie, there is no, no. story. So this is a um, this is a story of an extraordinary man in the ordinary world, and the lines are blurred. So if you if, if, and I guess if you're writing a fictional tale, your lines of reality are going to be blurred because if you're just writing everyday characters in everyday situations you're really not hooking any reader in are you so we we need the extraordinary in order to hook readers in 
And um, so there's definitely a line to be blurred or lines to be blurred when it comes to reality versus fiction. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, it's like my Sam Pope, if, if, if I was completely realistic, yeah, he'd be knocked unconscious after like the third punch he takes in a fight. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but and then you'd be done after the... one book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, he he took a really hard punch and it rattled his brain so much that he's now, you know, he can't yeah. function. It's like, well, that's not the books, and that's where that's where the 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 line blurs for me. Yeah, is yeah, he can fight a guy hand to hand to the death where they brutalize each other like they do in action films. Yeah. But at the same time. There's still the re- the the level of reality and realism around you know all the weapons, all the cars, all the locations, all that stuff, and yeah. that's you know that's the research builds the framework, and then I kind of fill it with the fiction. That's how I see it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes total sense. It really does. Mm-hmm. And and as we say, your story is not just raw and real. It can be raw and real, but what you're likely doing in order to um, create a story or an arc is putting an ordinary person in an extraordinary situation and that's where you're already blurring the lines between uh, reality and fiction but we are fiction writers it just depends on where you're setting your world you can set your world in the real world and it can be a raw uh-huh. emotional tale you can be just a few tiny few degrees off the real world um which is probably where the jack reachers and the stuff like uh, you uh, yeah. your sam pope stuff is set and then it can be a totally different world, like George Lucas set Star Wars. And then all the rules are your own rules. And your research then is all about being consistent to the true world that you have, have set. Because it's mailbag, mailbag time. I'm going to ask a question and you better get it right. Because it's mailbag. mailbag. I like that one. I think that's a winner. I just need to turn into a zombie now. David, we are at the mailbag, and I am going to read you this week's question, which, as you said, was sent in all the way from Dan Ander, from our listener, Russell Sawley. And he says, is it true it's almost impossible to get indie published books in bookstores? If not, how can we go about getting our books stocked? What say you to that, Mr. David B. Lyons? That comes in, in two parts. Is it true it's almost impossible to get indie books in bookstores? No. no. Um, it's not impossible. Um, is it almost impossible? No. It's a bit more difficult if you don't have the weight of a huge um, publishing company behind you, like Penguin Random House or Otter and Stanton or something like that, mm-hmm. um, who will do it all on your behalf and who have formed relationships with these sort of mega big stores um over the years now you're in australia russell so i'm not entirely sure um what the main stores are there but for us here in britain um or ireland like wh smiths or waterstones or easton's i know they have big relationships with the big um publishing companies so us indies are down the list uh-huh. it's getting but it's getting better Um people are becoming more and more aware of uh, successful in the authors we now have had in the last week or two rob uh, mark dawson who we call the king of indie publishing he's now in the richard and judy list yes. of books to be read this summer and um, so that's you yep. so that puts mark in 
every bookstore in the country under the Richard and Judy uh, branded logo. Now that's so huge. front and center. Front and center. So mm-hmm. that's Mark yet again. And I reached out to him when I heard this um, news. That's Mark leading the way for independent authors. So Absolutely. if somebody gave you some information six months ago or a year ago, Russell, that said, oh, it's almost impossible to get your books in bookstores. Well, do you know what? Every passing day, it's getting easier and we are being noticed an awful lot more. Um, yeah. So it's not impossible to get your books in bookstores. I, I'm in a lot of bookstores in America for some reason. I didn't do anything about it. They happen to find my books through um, mm-hmm. Ingram Spark, which is the answer to the next part of your question, which was, if not, how can we go about getting our books uh, stocked? Well, Ingram Spark is the best print and distributor, to my mind, Rob, that mm-hmm. will um, print your book and have it delivered to these stores if it's ordered by the stores. Yeah, they're they're the the kind of name front and center of the indie author world where you can upload book. And there's actually no; it's even easier now because there used to be a fee. I think it was fifty dollars to upload a book, fifty dollars to make any changes to the book. They've That's all right. been abolished now. Yes. So obviously they'll make their money back some other way, or maybe they were losing business doing that way. That model, I don't know. Um, but actually, you you can put your book on there, and you can you know it goes into their catalog that bookstores use to, 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 to bring books into their shops, essentially. Exactly. Um, You will need, you will need your own ISBN numbers. Um, So, you know, it's not free completely, Um, you know, and you have to obviously make sure the book is the highest possible standard, which we talk about quite a lot. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, in the UK, we get our ISBN numbers from Nielsen's. Um, mm-hmm. It's usually like, well, like a hundred and something pound for 10 of them. So it's like 10 pound an ISBN or something. So I don't know where it is in Australia. I don't know where it is in, in the US. Um, but, you know, it, it, you can do it. I don't particularly sell many into bookshops. I think way, way less than you do. But my books are there. They're available for people to 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 bring into their shops if they want. But I would say um, go back through some of our seven questions in our previous episodes because we've had a multitude of authors who have had reasonable reasonably good success with you know approaching local bookstores and getting into libraries and other things like that so um i think there is ways of doing it. it's not impossible which like david said if, if that's the information you've been given that's that's incorrect yeah. but i think it's always worth just making the note that if you're a predominantly amazon author like we are it's it's worth being sensitive when talking to like local bookshops um, just because you're sort of hedging all your bets on you know the sort of company that's driving people away from bookshops a bit so yeah. and it's always worth just remembering remembering that Okay, Rob, it's time for our favorite part of the show, the seven questions. Uh-huh. And this week, we have a guest all the way from Texas in the USA. It's fantastic crime writer, Dustin Carter. Dustin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Well, thank you all for having me, man. I'm really, really appreciate to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure. Our pleasure. Um, you've been listening to the show, so you're aware of the seven questions. You know what you're in for. Um, I was just wondering, before we begin the seven questions, could you tell the re- uh, the listeners a little bit about your books, please? Yeah. Um, first book I wrote was called Cortez, A Texas Tale. Um, it's about a small town in Texas, a, a, a couple teenagers and 
um, the things they got to do um, uh, to get out of town. You know, in, in Texas, you got these small towns, and I'm sure where y'all are at too. You got small towns that people just they have to get away from, um, yeah. and that that's basically what Cortez is about. It's about a, a teenager who's knows nothing good there is for him and he's trying to leave but um it's kind of like the godfather on godfather three he's like every time i leave they just pull me back in and, and that's, <laughs> that's that's basically the the premise of cortez it's he, he tries to get out and it's a kid and every time he just gets pulled back in into something some type of crime ridden um conspiracy or something to do with drugs or and he's just I trying to trying to make a better life for himself and so at the heart of it, it's a it's a coming of age story, is it, of a teenager? Yes, it's a it's a coming of age story of a teenager, um, and he's just trying to um, do the right thing. And you know, anytime a kid in a small town gets brought up, everybody talks about them. Everybody knows what they do. Yes, and you know the rumor mill starts, and you know it he gets... has to defend himself against murder allegations and drugs ah, and, oh wow and nice cops intriguing. so um he tries to he he gets out i mean that, that's that's what he has to do he has to get out of town lovely and, that um, sounds like an intriguing setting and an intriguing uh, setup and and then you've got guadalupe that's a, your second book Did that come yeah, afterwards um, guadalupe a human trafficking story that's the the second book i've written um and nice. guadalupe is a Almost coming of age story to tell too. It's about a um, a girl and her brother who are human trafficking victims, and oh wow, they're 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 from um, Honduras, and they basically their their church sponsors them to come to America illegally, Um, kind of like what's happening now along the border, you know, in yeah. I work along the border, so I know I'm pretty well versed on what happens. And a church group sponsors this a group of people to come to America, and they pay some basically bandits to bring them here. And um, right off the bat, I mean, it just is bad things start happening for these these travelers. And and the book's based; it's told in a first person. brother and sister go back and forth in between the chapters telling their sides of the story wow dustin they are two really really fascinating kickoffs mm. there and um, they, they sound amazing those books so that's dustin carter check out on amazon it's now his time to face the seven questions robert Yes, so yeah, fascinating uh, books there, Dustin. But I would like to uh, get into Under the Hood of how you've uh, done on your indie author journey. So let's just start with the first question. Uh, Are you a full-time author? No, I'm a long way from being a full-time author. Um, That's the goal. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, maybe in 12 years when I retire from my my state job, I can uh, start doing this full-time and – get going i mean hopefully before that but nowhere near being a full-time author i don't even make enough money to buy a cup of coffee a a month so um sales are very low um i do it because i like doing it um Uh i started writing 2016 i was getting my mba and i always like to dabble write a little bit um type a little bit but somewhere along the line um when 
I was getting my MBA, I started writing my um, papers for class before I would do all the work. And I realized yeah. that I actually started, I actually like sitting in front of a computer, typing my thoughts and my words and doing the research. And so as soon as I finished my MBA, I had the story for Cortez plotted out and I started writing and I'm learning as I go. So no, I'm nowhere close to being a full-time author. I um, write whenever I find a free moment to do it, mainly at night. So I have two young kids. Um, eight and five, so I'm pretty versed with child stuff. You know, I got one in cheerleading, one in t-ball, and yeah, uh, you know. So any moment I have, I I try to, but even then, it's still a uh, um, now hard to even sit down at the computer and write every day. Yeah, well, we love those stories. Me and Rob have both been there where we, we have a full-time job and we're trying to squeeze in mornings or evenings and late nights where we can get an hour's work done. But given that you have such fascinating um, blurbs that you've given to us uh, online here live on the show, it sounds like you. We, we're, I'm certain you can definitely sell those books. I'm going to try and get under the hood now of um, the decisions you've made and, and perhaps even give you some hints and tips on how we can get your books out there, uh, Dustin. So one of the big issues uh, we face when we're, we're in the ordering is whether to go wide or exclusive with Amazon for our um, e-books. And that's, our, that's question number two on the seven questions. Dustin, what decision did you make around that? Um, I've been with Amazon since I've started. Um, yeah. I don't know, you know, I started this and I didn't know anything about writing books or selling books or KDP or um I didn't know. All I knew was I would go to a, a local bookstore, um, half price books and, and buy a used paperback and um, usually a John Grisham book or a, a Stephen King book or something like that or a Dennis Lehaney. And, um, you know, and I just started I was I was reading and didn't know what I wanted. And when I wrote my first book, I um, paid a lady to promise she promised me the world she said hey I'm, uh, you pay me this money and i'm gonna get your book published you don't even have to edit it we're gonna find somebody to edit it for you and i was like okay that's that sounds awesome and it was like three years later and finally i just said you know what i'm doing this on my own and i went and edit it found a lady a good friend of mine to edit it um and i published it on amazon myself Right. Yeah. Somebody to do the um, the cover picture on Cortez. I took it on a back road in Texas one early morning um, and did it all myself, basically, either me or um, two other contractors I paid. So to help make it look pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm exclusively yeah, on a, Amazon. Yeah. So it's 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 a. Uh... I think it's a lesson everyone learns at some point uh, as an independent author. Someone always like gets let down by someone and it kind of gives you that catalyst to, you know, what, I'm going to do this myself. David and I, I, we spoke about on the show quite a lot. We've both had uh, like publishers who, who did nothing for us. So you're yeah, not alone and- in that thing of getting that moment of, you know what, I'm going to treat this with the respect it deserves that these people aren't. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good decision to go with Amazon. We both are. Um, question number three is name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Microsoft Word. I mean, I, I write everything on Word. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. 
you know, I've, I have a MacBook tab. I have a air iPad. I have a Apple phone and I have a, a MacBook and all three of them are connected to my uh, Microsoft service. So if I'm at home writing, I could write at night, take my iPad to my bed, go lay in my bed and edit, edit, which is what I just wrote. And then mm-hmm. the next day while I'm at work, if I find the free five minutes, um, maybe just pick it up and just review what I wrote the night before and kind of make sure it's all making sense or maybe throw a note or two in there that, um, that's what I need to do. Um, you know, since I do this myself and I, I don't have a professional editor or, um, a full-time editor on staff, I, I use Grammarly a lot to help me make sure my commas are in my right place and things like that. And it helps check uh-huh. for misspelled words as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had a, um, comment, um, on one of my books that I misspelled desert for dessert. And ah. <laughs> lady, I guess, I don't know who it was, but they, they drilled me a new one and told me <laughs> I was unprofessional and everything else. And I was oh, like, geez. and I went through and I was like, okay, we're, um, this is a little bit too much for me, but went through <laughs> and fixed the, fixed the dessert problem or desert problem. <laughs> and, um, so we're good there, but either Grammarly yeah. or Microsoft Word, I mean, I'm, I'm still learning a lot. I have, um, What's the other software I use? I used, I, I just recently got Publisher Rocket. Um, somebody yeah. in y'all's, y'all's page recommended it for me. And um, it, it helped to go through and find um, more um, more categories for my books, which I was still, I thought was pretty cool. I had no clue about that at all. Um, oh, okay. I had no idea about Publisher, anything like this. Um, and so I got on there and I played with it for a few days and I was able to update my, um, update my categories and try and still working on the keyword thing, but yeah, you know, it's time. It's, it's all a learning process for me. It's, Everything, it's all learning. Um, yep. you know, you gotta have money and you gotta, you gotta be, have time to do this. Yeah, and, that's great. That's something you, 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 you're treading paths that we, we have uh, trodden. So um, we look forward to the day that you, you're, you know, you're, you're selling books like we are. You, you definitely have the book there. You have the product. Um, so uh, this begs the question, which is question four, then. If you su- suggest that you're only really making royalties worth a cup of coffee to you each month, um, are you marketing your books? Not much. No, I mean, I... Um use basically my Facebook page and my Instagram page. And, um, yeah, I got on Twitter a few months ago, but that's just so, so much on there. Like, you know, that yeah, stuff goes, it's too fast for me, way too fast yeah. for me. And, yeah. and there's way too much, you know, 140 characters. And I don't know, it's just way too, it's above my, my pay grade. Um, yeah. I can't do um, Twitter myself. We did suggest that we might give you some, uh, hints and tips because, what you sold, Rob and I, at the top of the show here, Dustin, was two fantastic um, plots, really, really thick plots with great setting. Um, and I would just, I mean, when you, of course, um, have funds available or anything, I would love you to test some advertising on Facebook because yeah. you can give that, you can give that uh, vision of, you know, the Mexico border or small town Mexico. And people love that as a setting for dramas and books and stuff. And I'd love you, if you could find it, that audience it, who loved that, sort of um that, genre 
you I think that's big. my goal is to, um, yeah. I, and I've been, I've, I've learned it all from y'all. Um, you know, I'm. Oh, thank you. Um, I know y'all talk about Amazon ads, and and I've even clicked on a few of your Amazon ads, and yeah. um, you know, so you lost a few pennies on me. Um, <laughs> or you might have gained a few <laughs> pennies on me, um, but um, you know, so I, I'm. I, Soon in the, up the next few weeks or months, I'm going to get on the Amazon ads and the um, Facebook ads, and I'm going to set a uh, a limit, a daily limit of you know enough that I could afford, and um, just see how it works. I know, yeah. um, you know, y'all have talked about it before, where you've said that you know you started off with this amount, and then not too long after mm-hmm. that, you're like, hey, we're going to double that, and you know, just keep on moving yeah. that up, and, and exactly that's really what it, I need yeah. to do. Um, you know, and I know my you know, I'm married. So, and, and, you know, trying to sell books and raise kids and everything else, you know, any extra, um, payments or fees that are coming in, you know, um, for my hobby, um, (laughs) might get looked down upon, but I mean, I know I, you know, um, that I know that's what I need to do is to get the, get the, just try it and see how it goes. And you you definitely should. I think unless you try it. 100%. 100%. If you don't try it, it won't happen. If you do try it, it might happen. Um, and also the one thing just to think about in your head is if you're using your Facebook page, everything you're sending is to people who have already come to your Facebook page. So you're not pulling in new people. And that that's what I've, I've learned. Um, you know, I put out mm-hmm. my first book and everybody on my Facebook page was like, oh, this is awesome. Dustin, you did a great job. And we're so mm-hmm. proud of you and every and all the good stuff and I love all my friends on Facebook and family. And then my second book, I put it out and I was hoping to get a bigger response because the second books, you know, is basically what happens here in Texas all the time. Um, you know, mm-hmm. in my hometown, we see um, I'm from a small town in Texas called Gonzalez. And I see on the little bitty um, our little newspaper Facebook page all the time that there's a broken down truck somewhere and it's suspected human trafficking victims happens about once a week and oh, damn. nothing, nobody, the second book didn't sell near what I thought it would. And mm-hmm. it's picked up okay. more steam than the first one, but not. Yeah. You have I to find so. where that okay. audience is. I got to find that. Mm-hmm. Niche. Absolutely. And, yeah. hundred um, percent. Um, We'll, we'll move. I'm going to move on to question five. Uh, question five is: What's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? I don't even know where to start there. Um, <laughs> the, you know, I'm editing, editing. You know, I, I didn't even know where to put a comma. I, I'm not even going to lie to yeah. you. I um, when I paid my friend, uh, she sent me back my first edit and um, every place I was supposed to have a comma or put quotation marks, I had it wrong. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, this thing has a lot of red marks on it. Um, so now I, I really wish I would known, you know, about the marketing, about the, um, the writing process. I, I enjoy that. That's my favorite thing is sitting down and, um, just sitting here with my thoughts and coming up with something. Um, but the editing process is something I had no clue what was going on. You know, I thought, you know, add a period here, or fix a misspelled word, but 
Um, uh-huh. They, there's just so much. I mean, not even the editing <laughs> process, the selling process, you know, um, I'm happy I didn't have real big expectations. I like to dream a lot, um, but also had real expectations that I'm not going to be an overnight millionaire with the books. And, um, you know, hopefully one day, you know, I still got them goals and I still have them dreams, but um, otherwise I want to be doing this day. But, um, you know, when I started, I didn't, I thought it would be like that. You know, like I said, I hired a lady to, basically sell my book for me. And she said, Oh, you don't have to do nothing. You're done with it. And that was nowhere near the case. And Uh now I know it's all on me. Um, everything from the words, the cover, the marketing, it's as far as I'm going to take it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's, I guess that's, that's the answer to the question. It's, it's all on me and it's on, not on anybody else. It's, it's, I have to find the time to do it um, or it's not going to get done. That's um, it. Yeah. yeah. This independence, which actually leads us nicely to um, question six, Dustin, which is out of all those hats that you're wearing there between writing the blurb and, and writing your books and cover design and contacting editors, what is the most frustrating part of being an independent author for you? Um, most frustrating part is getting the sales um, huh? and not getting the reviews and things like that. Um, I don't have many reviews at all, but I've never asked anybody for a review. And it, that's just my personal opinion that I don't think I'm going to ever go out there and ask um, my friends or somebody to, Hey, go on Facebook and leave me a review. I know some people have, and some people gave me five stars and some people give me two stars. Um, and, it's frustrating whenever you get a comment back that says, Oh, you misspelled a word desert and dessert, um, missing one S. But, um, at the same time, I like to hear feedback and I don't only want to hear the positive feedback. I want to hear the negative feedback too, because this is my work. And if, if something is formatted wrong or spelled wrong, Hey, I'm going to make that change. That's, that's a change that, you know, I think any author who is an independent author should go make, um, at, the, yeah. at the same time, um, I just finished reading a, a Stephen King book, the Colorado kid. And I was about halfway done with the book. And I don't know if this was done on purpose or if I have a, a generic copy or, or what, but it was missing quotation marks throughout the whole book. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, I had to go back and like, check myself and i was like why is this there's you know we're somebody's yeah. sitting there getting on me about misspelling a word and i know i spot mistakes in traditionally published books all the time constantly uh-huh. i really do um that brings us on to question seven the last question and that is what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners and just, no matter what just keep writing you're doing this because you love to do it um, you got a mm-hmm. story to tell, um, tell your story. Um, don't be afraid of what anybody's going to tell you about it. Tell your story and, you know, try to make an impact. Um, I was listening to 
I, again, I just started listening to podcasts, but I was listening to a podcast with John Gershom. He's probably my all-time favorite author. And, um, yeah. you know, he, he said something that is like, hey, when you write, write something that um, is meaningful to the world. And basically, like, like in, write about it, and, you know, make sure to include an issue in the world that you think needs to be touched upon. And, you know... Like, even though, like, yes, Guadalupe has some graphic scenes in it and it's kind of an action book, um, it still is a topic that needs to be discussed. And I think it's, um, if people are writing about it and telling these stories, I think, you know, that's how we can have an impact in the world. Um, yes, we, we want to write, we want to tell intriguing stories, but I think our stories also have to have something. That, that to make the world a better place as well. And um, really, that, that's, yeah. that's, you know, on all three of my books, that's, that, that's been my goal and um, trying to, trying to improve something. And, um, you know, Cortez was about small towns and, and just helping kids out. Guadalupe is about human trafficking and trying to help fix that issue. And um, I'm on the process of finishing my third book, and it's about a homeless veteran here in Austin, Texas. And um, uh-huh. and so and he's talking to a therapist, and I, I want to – I don't think any veteran should have to go through that, be homeless or, you know, stop the 22 veterans a day with suicide. And so I'm hoping that third book can help help that some way in the world. So if I have anything to tell anybody is, you know, you want to write something meaningful and, and keep writing yeah. no matter what, you know, I know y'all guys, y'all, y'all have lots of reviews and y'all do a great job. And, and me, I'm getting started in this journey and it's uh, my sales are nowhere near y'all sales, but I'm going to keep going and yes, love it. And just Good. keep pushing yeah. on and, you know, I love it. Well, your your determination is great. Your your plots sound very great. Your morals and that you're painting into your story sound great. Dustin Carter, thanks so much for joining us on the Seven Questions. Hey guys, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. And um, y'all keep putting out good work. And you know, if y'all want to do this again sometime, and um, you know, I'd be happy to talk to y'all again and let you know where I'm at in this in this in this book writing journey. Yes, do stay in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right on, guys. Hey, y'all have a great day. All right. David, wasn't Dustin a very, very, very charming guest? He was, yet yet again. Um, more fantastic information out of these seven questions. Same questions, mm-hmm. different orders, and different answers uh, every week. Dustin, thanks a mil. Uh, you're, you're a superstar um, for calling in all the way from Texas to be on the show today. Um, mm-hmm. We are, uh, yeah, we've been a bit... Um, all over the world this week because uh, the quite the mailbag question came in from Australia as well. So we we're, we're going global. Yeah, global baby. That's what we are. <laughs> I think we're listened to now. I think in over fifty countries around the world. Well, then that means you need to stop with this these nonsense mailbag um, jingles. You're gonna you're gonna get us sued. I think you'll find since I started doing them. <laughs> the podcast has grown. Oh, <laughs> so people, okay. come, they they come for the song, but they stay for the information. That's that's how I think it is. 
Well, I would like our, our listeners to reach out to us on our Facebook group. Do you like or do you not like Rob's uh, blatantly ripped off jingles that he does every week for the mailbag? Let us know on our Facebook group to in the orders on that group as I'm talking about it, Rob. Um, we would also like people to sign up to be um, guests for our seven questions. The more yes, the merrier. be brave. Be brave. Get on that list, please. We would love to talk to you. We want to talk to as many independent authors as we possibly can mm-hmm. through this show. We also want more mailbag questions. So keep them coming in too. And we also want as many reviews. I shamelessly plugged it in the group this past week. But whatever platform you're on, if it's Apple, if it's Amazon, if it's Spotify, leave us a rating, leave us a review. All of it helps. And the bigger we can make this show become, the more we can do it for you to have every week in your ears. So, yes, please do that. David, Yes. before I let you go, what what you got planned for the next week, my friend? Um, hopefully have another somewhere between five and ten thousand words down getting toward um towards the third act of the novella um that i'm working on but i don't think i have anything outside the box oh in my diary is for next wednesday meeting rob yes for a delicious lunch we'll have a lunch together and discuss the future of the podcast yes sounds good yeah, I will be doing similar, I think. I will just be writing the next week. I don't have anything major on my to-do list. So, yeah, hopefully get another 10, 15,000 words down and really get, you know, push on to the final part of the book. But, David, I will let you go. Have a tremendous week, and I will see you next Wednesday, and we will speak to all of you soon. <laughs> Dum 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 d